0: To this at some point, because I in between the last couple breaks, I am sitting here fuming at Derek Jeter. This guy is such a d. I'm like, there's this video. We'll we'll get the audio for you. That it doesn't have the same effect without the video, but you can at least hear what happens, kind of. But there's this video of Derek Jeter where David Ortiz on the the they do like the pre and post game together, and he bought everybody cowboy hats. And Derek Jeter like refuses to put this hat on. <laughs> oh my god, I I, I I have to save it for a little bit later. But this guy is so like, dude, get off your high horse. Seriously, we'll talk about it. I'll, I'll save that for a little bit later in the show. It'll be funny. I I, I shouldn't be this mad about something like this, but I'm I'm so mad. 216, 474, 0092. And no, it's not just a Red Sox Yankees thing because it's David Ortiz and Derek Jeter. It's it's because I'll explain. I'll explain later. We'll do it in the eleven o'clock hours. So stick around for that. All right. 216, 474, 092. How worried are you about the effectiveness of the offense with Deshaun if uh, he does play just because he might have some limitations, particularly in the road with the run game. This is what Kevin Stefanski had to say about the offense and the, the mindset behind it if Deshaun plays this weekend.
1: You know, we go into every game looking at what plays give us an advantage and, and where we go. His ability to move is a big part of his game and will always continue to be, and then we'll call it accordingly, I would tell you. But you just look around the league, you're going to have to make plays with your feet.
0: Yeah, I, don't, I, I think it's going to be pretty evident that the Browns aren't just going to put Deshaun Watson in situations that are advantageous to the shoulder, getting through the game with the shoulder being okay. I don't think you'd see a lot of him running. I don't think you'd see, and if he does, it's going to be like, a, hey, get out of bounds or slide down. We don't need you taking any unnecessary hits. Um, And I do wonder on some level, listen, I'm standing by the take that he should play if he's good to play. But I do wonder on some level If Because I need to see him shake off that rust, get back into the swing of things, get comfortable again like he looked in the Tennessee game, and that's only going to come from game reps. So, yeah, he should play. But I do wonder about his effectiveness. Listen, Those first couple games, man, he looked awful. I mean, you want to sit here and have debates about, well, he's better than P.J. Walker even at 75%. That may be true, but... I don't know. If you had told me to watch the tape, you blurred out the quarterback, and you told me to watch the tape from Sunday's game and watch the tape with Deshaun the first two weeks, and I didn't know who was starting any of the games, and you said, who do you think played? I would have probably said, I, I you could have fooled me that Deshaun didn't play all three of them. It was a lot of the same stuff. Balls getting dirted, bad passes, just not timing not being right, throwing the ball late to guys. P.J. Walker did that a couple times. They, it was the Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme. Like They they looked like the same player that first two weeks of Deshaun and, and, and P.J. Walker last week. And that's not a shot of P.J. Walker, I understand. He is nowhere near the talented player, the talent of Deshaun Watson, and he's not expected to be. He's a backup quarterback for a reason. And he got you the win, and he managed and did what he had to do. Fine. And you can still beat the Colts that way. But as much as I want to see Deshaun, I do think that the offense is still... Like, I'm not going in thinking that this is just going to be fireworks. I'm, I'm not. I submitted my prediction on a, another platform that I work for. I'm not giving it to you yet because i got to save some content for Sunday. But I already, in my head, it's going to be low scoring. Like it's been for, for the Browns for most games this season. They're number one in all these different defensive categories, and they're like 30th in, in, off, in a bunch of offensive categories. Like, it's, it's just been the story of the season so far. So I'm not freaking out, oh, they can't win this game, but I do think the offense is gonna be at a little bit of a detriment with Deshaun playing because there's gonna be limitations to what they can do. And I also think I also think too that you worry about Deshaun being able to get more comfortable when you consider that first couple games. The way he got himself feeling better and more uh, I mean, comfortable is the word that's coming to mind at the moment. So I'll just use it again. More comfortable it was by running. His 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 legs became such a threat that he knew he could do certain things and run the football and that, that was going to help the offense kind of move and do some of the things it wanted to do, and then hopefully that would open things up while he tried to get himself right in the passing game. So I don't know how limited he'll be or, or what the tra- if there's going to be some training wheels kind of still on him, but I certainly think the offense will reflect that it's not going to be quite the same Deshaun you got in the Tennessee game, and that's okay. It's okay if he's not the exact same guy in this game because, like I said, you should, you can still win with a percentage of Deshaun being him being what he is rather than full-fledged, healthy, slinging it all over the field, Deshaun, like we saw in week three. But, yeah, it, it makes you a little bit more nervous because if the offense is playing the way that it's been playing through the season – then you know that I don't, it's not going to be one of those games that you just run away with it and you keep the Colts around, you keep them believing. It's the same thing that happened with the Browns last week. The Browns kept it close, they hung in there, and then they started to believe just a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more, and then they pulled off the upset. And it's the same kind of thing applies here, I think, for the Colts. If you let them hang around, if you let them keep it close, They'll start to believe they can beat you like they did against Baltimore a couple weeks back, and the next thing you know, they're clipping you at the end, and you're going home with a loss. So I, I want to see the offense be effective. I want to see the offense build a lead on this team, but I don't know if it's going to happen. And so that does make me a little bit nervous, even though I agree that you need to play Deshaun. There's there's almost, if Deshaun's good to go, there's no point in resting him because what good does that do? You, you, there's more upside with Deshaun that he does play better, and P.J. Walker, like you're trying to get Deshaun ready for the long haul of this rest of the season. Again, people want to throw out there, oh, there's still a bunch of games to go. If you lose this one, it's okay, all these different things. Fine. But you're not banking on P.J. Walker needing games to get himself kind of acclimated and ready and, and playing better. You are banking on that with Deshaun Watson, because you're gonna need him late in the season to be doing big things for you, winning games for you. So, yeah, if this is a step closer to getting him back to that guy, then yeah, he should play. But I do think the offense I it's 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 not my my advice to you as fans is don't expect just because don't get ahead of ourselves. Like we don't even we didn't even we don't even know, based on the four, the three games he's played, we've seen more where he's played poorly than he's played great, where there's no guarantee what, what this offense is going to do anyway. But to just blankly assume, like, oh, if Deshaun's playing, then it's definitely a wrap. Like, nah, we're still waiting for some things. Like, Deshaun still has to show us some stuff, too. It's not just cut and dry, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Just because Deshaun's out there. Like, it's... There's questions with him as much as there's questions with PJ Walker right now. His effectiveness with the shoulder. I think the most alarming thing that he said this week was that he doesn't know if it'll impact him all season. I mean, shoot, he could go out there Sunday, throw 20 passes, and start feeling it and have to take a seat. And then if it lingers even further into the season, then we're really in trouble. Now it almost sounds like I'm talking myself into not playing him. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying yeah, like it's I don't think it's just going to be Deshaun comes back out there and it's a wash a wash rinse repeat of what we saw in week 3. I think he's going to have to kind of get himself reacclimated yet again, get himself sort of up to speed yet again, and that might take a couple weeks, which is again why it's important he plays in this stretch of the season rather than you wait and he's still trying to reclaim his his form. In, in, a, in a bigger game like Baltimore on November 12th or the Steelers on November 19th, those games mean too much to not have him already up to speed. Back to what he looked like he was getting to in Week Three. By then, two one six four seven four double nine two. If you want to jump in on anything, Browns throughout the rest of the night. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Spencito underscore at the end. Hot Take Friday, we do it every Friday. I'm in. On this show for JP, I got a few slated on deck ready to go for you. There's some food-related ones. There's some sports-related ones. It's going to be a roaring good time. We want your hot takes at 10 o'clock. Up next, we will talk to Brendan Gulick of Buckeyes now as we pick his brain on this matchup for tomorrow. The Buckeyes are favored to beat Penn State. But I got to tell you, all I've been saying for a couple weeks now is Penn State by double digits. Yes, Penn. you heard that right, Penn State by double digits. I have very little confidence that Ohio State wins this game. Part of that, I think, is the fan in me trying to protect myself from feeling anything if they lose, and I can just chalk it up to, hey, I told you, but I tell you the big key factor for me is just in the trenches. We talk about Ohio State not being more of a finesse team than a tough team. And that's why they, Michigan's beat them the last couple of years and why they called them out for that a couple years back. I think that's very true to who they are. And I think this year more than ever, the defensive line and the offensive line are, we've seen some chinks in the armor already. And this feels like a game where they get exposed by a team that is superior in those areas. And it's. I'm not feeling great about it. I'm not. Other four-point favorites or whatever the hell it is. I think it's four points. But I think Penn State's going to win by double digits. Drawler is the real deal. James Franklin finally has a real one at quarterback. I don't know why he waited so long to play him. He should have played him last year probably. But, yeah, they got a real one at quarterback. And I can't think as you go through each roster, like, who has, where does Ohio State have a clear advantage other than wide receiver. Honestly, tell me. I can't pinpoint it. We'll see if Brendan Gulick can when we get to him coming up next. Really, really quickly here. John Wadsworth, I'm squeezing you. you got like 30 seconds, man. What's up? So, all right, man. Well, I agree with you with the
1: Ohio State game, by the way. But with Deshaun Watson's shoulder, I think you rest him until you have a loss. You need him for January. You need him for February. And against the Colts this week, it's an imminently winnable game. So you put PJ Walker out there, let the guys ride out the momentum from San Francisco, and then you see what happens. And you just you have to rest him. You need him for much a much longer time period than just let's rush him back in there this week. I so let's you. let him rest if he can rest.
0: Yeah, I got you, John. Unfortunately, the, like the Browns can't think that way though. Like they got to think about winning every single game and giving themselves a chance. And I understand they might think they have a chance with PJ Walker in this defense, like they did against San Francisco. But you got to put yourself in the best position to win. This is an AFC opponent, an AFC game. It counts more down the stretch of the season for those tiebreakers because you're, it's going to be what compares you to your division foes and your other AFC opponents and your other conference rivals and your division rivals. Like This one matters. And, again, if there's a readjustment period for him and a reacclimation period for him, you need some games to kind of get him back to form. As long as he's good to go, I said if he wasn't good to go against the Ravens, he wasn't good to go against the Ravens, fine. If he's good to go now, he's got to play. All right, let's take a break. When we get back, Brendan Gulick joins us as he preview Penn State, Ohio State, next on The Fan. Incredible, incredible song to bring us back. By the way, I am very excited to be doing the Sons of the Shoe podcast with – Nick Wilson coming up. We start tomorrow after Ohio State Penn State. Perfect timing for that bed to, or that, that teaser to come on because that's all we're talking about the rest of this segment as we welcome in our good friend, colleague here at the station, covers the Ohio State Buckeyes, of course, for BuckeyesNow.com. Brendan Gulick joining us on the North Homestead Christ of Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Brendan, how you doing tonight, my friend?
1: I'm great, Spence. Rumor has it the hottest takes come uh, on Friday night. So I'm, uh, I, I don't know where I heard that, but uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for some heat from you.
0: Well, we'll see if by the end of the segment either I give you one or you give me one. Uh, we'll find out. Let's start with just the matchup as as a whole, just the overarching view as I think fans get ready for the for the game tomorrow. I don't know. Like I, I know Buckeyes fans tend to put on like the the confident face and say, "Oh, I'm not worried about them. We always beat we always beat Penn State." But I don't know. Shouldn't there be a little bit of nervousness about this one? Because Penn State seems like they're pretty much the real deal this year.
1: Yeah, dude. I'm not. Uh, I'm not sleeping easy tonight if I'm a Buckeye fan. I mean, it's. I don't think it is unfair to say that this Penn State team is the best Ohio, or the best Penn State team that Ohio State has faced in probably a decade. Uh, probably Penn State's best team since they won the Big Ten. You know, they are, they are plenty good enough offensively, even though there are some metrics out there that would indicate that they're not, you know, elite. Um, their defense is, the real deal so far. And I am concerned if I'm an Ohio State fan because where Penn State is strongest defensively, Ohio State is weakest offensively. And I'm prefacing that by saying that Ohio State's offensive line is fine. They're, they're pretty good. They're not elite. And Penn State's defensive line is elite. And they've got good linebacking play, and they've got, I think, two cornerbacks that are going to play in the NFL. Um, Penn State's defense is a real deal, and I'm not saying Ohio State's going to like get shut out tomorrow, kind of thing. I think that's that's you know crazy, but the Buckeyes are going to have a hard time moving the football. I think there are going to be some frustrating moments, and uh, it's it is going to be a really tough, you know grind it out game. That Ohio State is plenty capable of winning, but they are they are on uh, alert tomorrow for sure.
0: Outside of wide receiver, you kind of went through, you know, different areas of of the two teams, especially the, the the Ohio State offensive line versus the Penn State defensive line. Is there a position outside of receiver that Ohio State has a clear advantage in this game?
1: Uh, so give me a little more context like Ohio State receivers compared to Penn State receivers or literally who they're going to match up against?
0: Um, yeah, that's a good way to actually, I guess, think about it back at me. I was just kind of writing the question down, thinking through it myself. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess more so if you went, like, just position by position, sort of going down the list, is there, like, where does Ohio State, I guess, if you are look at it on a graphic and it was, like, quarterback, wide receiver, or running back, like, sure. as you kind of check those boxes – is there another group outside a wide receiver? Because obviously I think we'd all agree Ohio State has the advantage there that Ohio State you'd think has an advantage.
1: I think Ohio State is on a level playing field from that perspective. They're on a level playing field pretty much across the board. Um, Penn State might have a, a better offensive line right now if I had to pick one versus the other. Okay. Um, and then some of that answer is going to depend upon health because – if Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams and Chip Trainum are all healthy and all playing tomorrow, even though Penn State has two really good sophomore running backs, I'm still going with Ohio State's running back room. But if the Buckeyes are not at full health tomorrow, and again, I'm not like knocking down Hayden, it's part of the the embarrassment of riches that the Buckeyes have. Their fourth string running back is a dude. Yeah. I, I I mean, I just think Ohio State at full strength is, you know, it has the ability to be a juggernaut at their skill position spots. And there's nothing offensively that Penn State has that is clearly better than the Buckeyes from a skill position spot. But the difference between these two teams, Penn State built their team based on the line of scrimmage and this incredibly aggressive, gritty, physical, downhill, attacking, defensive style, um, which Ohio State has played in years past, but they've pulled back off of that a little bit because they've trusted their defensive line to create enough pressure that they don't need to bring extra hats in, in the pass game. Um, and Penn State has, frankly, three defensive ends that are NFL caliber right now. And I just think Ohio State's tackles are going to have a really tough day tomorrow. That doesn't mean I... I think they're going to get torched. I just think that Kyle McCord's going to probably be under a lot of pressure if Ryan Day and Brian Hartline don't scheme some quicker passing plays to to get guys open. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but I think Penn State's defense is really, really good.
0: Talk with Brendan Gulick on the hotline. Follow him on Twitter at BrendanGulick22. Of course, he, follow, he covers Ohio State, I should say for Buckeyes now. Um, you mentioned some of the injuries there for Ohio State. I know I've kind of been reading throughout the week, Ryan Day, per usual, non-committal on their statuses, but what's your read on some of the guys you named? Henderson, Williams, Trenum, uh, Ibuka, Denzel Burke?
1: Yeah, I mean, Ryan Day said this week that he was hopeful all of those guys were going to play, and he said it in a way that, Came across pretty believable, but when I joined Jonathan earlier this week, it, you know, we had a little fun with the idea that Ryan Day was just hopeful. And, I you know, what does that even mean? I mean? We're all hopeful, right? So, um, I, I guess if you're asking me on a guy by guy basis, I am inclined to say that Travion Henderson is going to play. I would be surprised if he doesn't. Um, I think Emeka Book is going to play. I I don't know enough about Mayan Williams and Chip Traynham. I am not a hundred percent sure how well he's recovered after getting absolutely smoked last week. Um, it sounded like he had a concussion. The Buckeyes never officially confirmed that, but there were a couple of reports out there from people that I trust that that basically said that's what he was dealing with. Um, you know, I. I kind of expect Denzel Burke to play as well. Um, I just think Ohio State realizes, Spence, that like, I don't want to over minimalize this, but there is some truth to, hey, you got a three game season. You got to beat Notre Dame. You got to beat Penn State. You got to beat Michigan. Yeah. And the rest of the games, like, you should win and it shouldn't be that big of a problem. So if this was a game against Minnesota, where you're getting ready for Michigan next week, maybe you don't see guys go suit up that really need to be at their 100% best. But you got to win this game. And the reality is, if you lose this game, it is sound the alarm bells not good because Michigan is also, despite everything they're going through right now, and who knows what's going to happen to that program at the moment, uh, Michigan's really, really good. And if Ohio State can't beat Penn State, I mean, they're potentially talking about being a top-five team in the country that's third in their own division, and that's not going to sit well with them down there.
0: We'll get back to what you mentioned, Michigan and everything they're wrapped up in right now. But uh, you mentioned the three-game this three-game season essentially for Ohio State, and people love to put the fire or not fire Ryan Day conversation out there into the the abyss when they whenever they can. Even with that, though. Who do you think needs this one more, Ryan Day in terms of his job or James Franklin in terms of his? Because James Franklin, this has been like the thorn in his side. He hasn't been able to get this monkey off his back, whereas Ryan Day at least has the resume that he has where he hasn't lost a lot of games in the regular season or in the Big Ten, and he's obviously made some playoff runs on top of it. Who do you think is under more pressure with this game?
1: Yeah, it's such a fun topic to discuss in a forum like this. But I, I don't know if I can pick an answer because I think they both need this game in the worst way. This, this is a game for Penn State that, as you kind of alluded to, is all about opportunity. Like, Penn State has been so close to proving that they can be one of the elite teams in college football for several years now, and they just haven't quite been able to get over the hump. They've played really, really well since they lost to Ohio State last year in a game where for three quarters, they were definitely the better team until JT tui out just went bananas in the fourth quarter. Um, they won the Rose Bowl. They've got, I think, a significantly better quarterback in Drew Allen than they had last year in Sean Clifford. Yeah. Um, they've got two really good young running backs. They've got talent at wide receiver. I, I I think this offense can supplement enough of their defense. It is time for Penn State... To figure it out if you want to be taken seriously as a, you know, truly elite team in college football. So from that perspective, James Franklin needs this game. He's got to finally get over the hump. For Ryan Day, this game means everything because if you lose this game, you're going to lose a lot of credibility. It's, it's ridiculous. It's unfair. (laughs) Ryan Day is 51 and six. He's 34 and 2 in the Big 10. He's lost two home games in five years. Like, we're talking about something that's just dumb. He shouldn't be on a hot seat. But if Ryan Day loses to Penn State, and, and God forbid loses to Michigan a third year in a row, uh, with, with a new athletic director coming in after Gene retires this summer, I just think there is gonna be an, a segment of, this fan base that's going to get really loud and really upset. So I'm not saying Ryan Day's on, you know, watch it, you're going to get fired mode here. But they acknowledge the standard down there, man. They, they yeah. say it all the time. We, we're we not allowed to lose. So you can't lose this game.
0: Brandon Gulick on the North Olmsted Carson Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. A few more minutes here. Uh, going back to the Michigan thing, what do you make of these cheating accusations?
1: You know, I I need to learn a little bit more about it. What I'm reading so far, what I'm hearing so far, is um, certainly concerning. It also makes me wonder who's got an axe to grind with Michigan. That uh, something like they got a target on the back right now. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) um, somebody is not happy with the Wolverines, and they are making it uh, making it pretty public. And then when you go back and you know when you go back and watch, like for example, Greg Schiano's halftime interview. Yeah, I saw Rutgers that. The in Michigan I saw a that. Fight Game. Like, there's some different context now to what he's saying, isn't there? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know, man. Uh, it's it's extremely disappointing if it's true. Michigan is obviously sitting there with some egg on their face. I think Jim Harbaugh is in some trouble if if they're if the the evidence against Michigan is deemed credible because he's already been suspended for three games this year, even if they thought it was dumb and they self-imposed the suspension. And even if Harbaugh, let's just give him all the benefit of the doubt in the world. Let's say he had no idea that this was going on. It's your job to know. You have to know you are the head coach of Michigan. Michigan, you are not allowed to not know that this is happening. So I I don't know, man. I mean, maybe he survives it. Um,
0: I'll tell you, I don't think it's going to matter because I think he's going to go to the NFL.
1: Well, that's the other part of it is does he leave on his own accord and just say, okay, enough, I, th- enough.
0: I, I tell you what, Brendan, like between the buying cheeseburgers and, and again, that, that, that wasn't about the cheeseburgers as much as it was about like you lied to the NCAA. If you lie to the NCAA sure. – they're always going to throw the book at you. The cheeseburgers thing was was nobody really cared about that. But um, yeah, like between that, between this, it's like he's got to be so sick of the NCA just poking around in his business and you know being up as you know what that I feel like he's just going to be like you know what I don't have to worry about this. I can just go to the NFL. That's my uh, there's there's I mean, a there's maybe, a hot take for you.
1: May, maybe <laughs> if he was just a more likable guy, it wouldn't be a problem. I don't That's know. True. Like he's just. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why he's like this, this punching bag. He's hes a weird dude. Like, I don't think that he's a bad guy. He's just hes just not likable. And, and I am finding it extremely ironic that, you know, Michigan, who, like, hangs on their high standards and their morals of, we do things the right way and we do them better than you and so on and so forth, like they're caught in the crosshairs of, yeah. You know, what is being painted is one big, black, ugly, you know, black eye, you know, uh, just cheating scandal. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Not good.
0: All right. 30 to 60 seconds. I'll get you out of here. What's your prediction for the game? I just said before I brought you on that it's going to be Penn State by double digits.
1: Wow. <laughs> you told me your hot take was what you said earlier about Harbaugh. Ten points or more. I had to drop it Ooh. on you at the very end here. Golly, you dumped that on me. Uh, look, I, I'm I'm going to stick to my guns, and I'll say publicly on the fan here what I said on uh, on our site. I, I think it's going to be a crazy game. I'm going 29-27 Ohio State, so just barely hit the over, and and Penn State covers on the road. Yeah. Um, I just think it's going to be one of those weird games where you watch something and you're like, wow, I haven't seen that in a long time. Like there'll be a couple of plays that really catch you off guard. Um, I'll tell you right now, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Penn state scores either a defensive or probably more likely a special teams touchdown. Ohio state special teams have not been as good the last couple of weeks. Um, Kyle McCord hasn't thrown an interception since the first half of the first game, so I'm not saying that he's going to throw a pick six. But um, I just – I'm a believer in Penn State's defensive line, and I hope
0: I'm wrong, man.
1: Um, but I got the Bucks hanging on by two, 29-27.
0: At Brendan Gulick, 22, you can read everything he's doing over at BuckeyesNow.com, and you want to head to the YouTube page as well, Buckeyes Now, where uh, they do – Film breakdown every week. It's, he does a tremendous job. Brennan's the man. So, Brendan appreciate you as always, my friend. Enjoy the game tomorrow.
1: Thanks, bro. You too. Talk to you too.
0: Sounds good. Thanks, Brennan. Good stuff from Brennan Gulick as always. He's picking the Buckeyes to hang on. I'm saying they lose by double digits. We're very very opposite ends of the spectrum. By the way, I, I mentioned it there with Brendan. sort of buried my I, – I lost my tease now. But don't let the hate distract from what's really happening here. I think Jim Harbaugh is just – Getting ready for greener pastures. We'll do it next on The Fan. Ten minutes out from Hot Take Friday. That guy in Cleveland already on hold. He's he's first in line for Hot Take Friday. He's been waiting patiently. So... We'll be one of the first ones up next segment when we get to the hot takes. Have them ready. 216 double ninety two. Also on Twitter at Spencito underscore. Yeah, guys, I'm nervous about tomorrow. Like, tr- like this is well, it's a combination of things. We were just talking about this out- off the air, Jax and I, because I think that younger fans. I-, I consider myself still a younger fan, even though I'm in my 30s. And my- I guess I- maybe I should just say it like this: millennial fans. We all kind of learned along the way because I feel like there's a lot of older fans, you know, your boomers and all these people who like they live or die with their teams. If they're diehard sports fans, if they if they win, they're they're in it. If they lose, they're checked out. And I used to be that way, specifically when it came to my Red Sox. Like you can ask my parents, my family, if the Red Sox lost, I would be despondent at the dinner table. If they like, and, and then it got to a point when as I got older, I was like, they play 162 of these things. They're gonna lose at least 70 of them most years. I got to just get used to the fact that that's gonna happen. I can't let it affect me and my functioning of it as a as a person every day. So I I had to kind of learn, and now I now it really affects me mostly in the playoffs or against the Yankees or big games. But it's not an everyday thing like it used to be. And part of that process for me was learning like to prepare yourself. So I think younger fans, the millennial fans, we all condition ourselves to just assume the worst. Like, oh, they're going to lose. That way when they do, you already have kind of come to terms with it. And if they win on the other side, on the flip side of it, then you're pleasantly surprised. And then you're happy. It's how we we deal with these things. We have been emotionally scarred enough that we now have a coping mechanism in the form of just – saying they're going to lose and accepting it. And then if you – what is it, Jax? If you – Expect disappointment, you'll never get disappointed. There you go. Exactly. And so I think that's part of where my Penn State by double digits is coming from because I think that these two teams are probably going to play a pretty close game. I still think Penn State could win by double digits, but I think I'm probably over-exaggerating it because I'm just preparing myself to be like, they have no shot. Just tell yourself that enough, and you'll believe it, and then you won't be as hurt tomorrow around 4 o'clock if the result isn't the way I want it to go. Also, guys, we talked with Brendan briefly about the Jim Harbaugh, Michigan's cheating thing. I know that we get caught up in the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry where this feels like a let's dance on graves type moment. Like, oh, Michigan, you cheaters. You cheaters! Oh, I knew that you couldn't beat Ohio State without cheating, and you just want to make it, you want to laugh in their face and talk about how they're a uh, scum scummy program, and they don't actually do things the right way, and you know cheer for them if they get some sort of bowl ban or whatever. But well, two things. First, I'm sure other teams are doing this too, and that they're the ones who just got caught. Brendan said it like somebody's got a Somebody's got a vendetta against Michigan right now at the NCAA offices because it's not a coincidence that you had the other thing earlier in the summer with Harbaugh and he took the kids out to get burgers and, and that whole story. And now, a couple months later, we're talking about a cheating scandal that also has now gotten made waves, right? That's not a coincidence. But I guarantee you other teams are doing it. But even beside that, besides that, keep your eye on the ball here, folks. And I said it to Brendan. I'm saying it again. This is all setting the stage for Jim Harbaugh to leave college football and finally take the plunge back into the NFL. That's it. He is going to, at the end of the season, he stuck it out one more year because his team was that good. They had national championship aspirations and national championship Potential. So he said, all right, we'll stick it out one more year. We'll go all in, push the chips into the center of the table, and then on the other side it'll be see you later. How do you do to the NFL? I'm telling you, it's it's when you do the math on this, it's really not that complicated. It's not really that hot of a take because I think every year there's conversations about Jim Harbaugh, this being the year Jim Harbaugh goes back to the NFL. I think this year it's just even more likely because he was kind of already counting his days and – you know, figuring out his future. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that's what. What's everybody always say with Harbaugh? The NFL will always be there. He knew that. And it was just about the time, the, the right timing of things. And I'm telling you, after all these incidents, all these situations, he's got the NCAA constantly on his ass now, nagging him, poking and prodding around his program. He can just throw it all He can throw his hands in the air and say, all right, you know what? I'm good dealing with all this BS down here. I'm good with all the NIL stuff. I'm going to go back to the NFL where I know I can also have success and go chase dreams there. I'm good. That's what's going to happen here. It's not that hard to read the tea leaves and figure out what's coming. All right, 216-474-092. You're going to want to know that number because when we get back, it is time. It is time for a – Friday staple when I am hosting on this very show. Hot take Friday comes your way next. Your hot takes on sports. It can be movies, food are always a good option. I don't know, books, TV shows, drivers, anything you got. The state of Ohio, other states, it can be about Jim Harbaugh for all I care. Anything but government conspiracy theories, save that for a different radio station. Do it next. Hot Take Friday. When we return, on Overtime with Jonathan and Spencer German, in for JP on the fan.